0: Welcome to the Eat Right Nutrition Podcast, where we partner with experts in the health, wellness, and nutrition field to deliver you an excellent variety of content based on real science, real facts, and real food. I'm your host, Daron. And I'm Nicole. And today we're talking meal planning, calories, and macronutrients. Welcome to the Eat Right Nutrition Podcast, episode number 45. Today, we're talking meal planning tips, how to plan, how to be prepared. We're talking setting calories and setting up your macronutrient profile. We're going to talk about protein cheat sheets. We're going to talk about carb and fat cheat sheets. We're going to talk about how to figure out the calories that you need to be taking in for the day and uh, how to determine if your macronutrient profile is working for you. Nicole.
1: (laughs) Darone.
0: What's up? Let's just get into it.
1: I'm excited. You know, I love this stuff.
0: Where do we start when creating a meal plan? I guess that's the first question I should ask.
1: Mm -hmm. Well, you want to find out exactly how many calories you are eating right out the gate.
0: Right. So you want to figure out your calories and then your macronutrients. And then we dive into the number of meals per day and then we Mm -hmm. break it down in that way. So I kind of wanted to uh, present this as this is how we would work with clients. And if you want to uh, try some of this stuff and be successful on your own, these are the steps that would be necessary Mm -hmm. for you to create your own meal plan and follow that meal plan. We start with calories. And how do we figure out our calories? We need to figure out what our baseline calories are. But before we do that, we have to log to get the baseline. So, anytime I'm with a new client, one of the first things I do is I say, Okay, your homework assignment is to log in a food journal. We mm-hmm. use MyFitnessPal, and I want you to log in a week and I want you to not change anything at all. Right. I want you to keep it the same. You're going to be conscious of what you're doing and what you're eating, and you're going to find areas of opportunity. Right. But you have to control yourself and not make any changes for that first week. And then you get a baseline of day to day calories. Now, what Mm -hmm. I mean by you're going to find areas of opportunity, you are going to see, oh, well, I'm eating X amount of grams of sugar per day or I'm not getting adequate protein or Mm -hmm. my hydration is off or I am eating uh, too little carbs or too many carbs or not enough vegetables. Right. You're going to probably see one or multiple of those things mm-hmm. that are going to, you know, you're going to be aware of those. That's what part of food journaling is, is creating awareness. So yeah. it's good that you notice those things, but for that first week you want to keep things the same. I say from a coaching standpoint, so I can see what your baseline calories are.
1: Yes. And areas of opportunity, like you just mentioned, of what actually might you might be missing. Like one of the reasons why I do this or I like to do this or we do this with clients is a lot of people come in and try and make all these crazy changes at the beginning. If you try and change everything all at once, then you kind of never really know what works and what doesn't work. So you want to gently drip in change. So I usually have my clients zero out. Like I don't even give them if, if anybody has used my fitness before when you set all of your goals and your metrics, like what your current weight is, what your goal weight is, how many pounds a week you want to lose, what your activity level is it gives you an automated calorie amount i usually don't do that i have them set it up and i zero everything out so that they don't have a targeted calorie amount in their mind when they do that first week of journaling i just want them to either write it down or journal it zeroed it out so we can see what their calorie intake is day to day, because this is the other thing. Some people eat higher calories on the weekends, lower calories during the week, or they find that their calories are super inconsistent during the week or during, you know, from a seven day period of time. And then everything you just mentioned, too low carbs, too high carbs, too much fat, the quality of food, all of those things. And that's where you get all the nitty gritty of where we start the changes so that we can start one thing at a time and layer in those habit changes along with the calories and the macros and everything else we're going to talk about.
0: Now, another thing that I'm going to add is when you do set up your calories, there the first thing that I tell people to do, and I see this, sometimes I catch this a little bit later on, and I'm like, shit, well, like, why is it saying if you are, are allotted 2,000 calories for the day, for example, then all of a sudden it says 2,500 calories because it's tracking your steps and it's tracking yes. your, your exercise. Activity. So the two things that I'll say is, one, with MyFitnessPal, disconnect your yeah. step tracker from my fitness pal yeah because it'll
1: have you eat back the calories and
0: don't log the exercise and yeah. this i view as a flaw in my fitness pal in depends that depends on the goal no i view it as a flaw in my fitness pal <laughs> in that if you are putting in your goal is fat loss or surplus or whatever. If you put in mm-hmm. that your goal is fat loss and then you put in part of one of the questions that I'll ask you is how active you are. You've already accounted for your activity because it, it, use, right. it uses a Mifflin equation, which mm-hmm. accounts for your activity. And then you plug in a workout and then it allows you more calories. You've already right. created a deficit based on your total daily energy expenditure. So right. that to me is one thing that they haven't caught yet that I think should be caught.
1: Yeah, it Um, happens all the time with clients. I I see them eating back calories. I'm like, you can't do that.
0: If you're no, your deficit is what your deficit is. You have set up your mind. So you've gotten your baseline. You've zeroed it out. You've gotten your baseline and that's going to tell you which way you need to go calorie wise, right? Mm -hmm. So the next thing you're going to do is you're going to figure out what your total daily energy expenditure is and what your resting metabolic rate is. You're going to do that in one of two ways. If you have access to body fat,
1: mm-hmm. you're going
0: to use a catch McArdle formula. You can literally Google catch McArdle right. or you can Google TDEE calculator. Mm-hmm. And the cal- the first thing that's going to pop up is that catch McArdle formula. Mm-hmm. And you plug in your weight, it's plug in your height, you plug in your level of activity and you plug and your in age. your body fat and your age. Mm-hmm. And it's going to spit out what your total daily energy expenditure is. And if you scroll down, it will tell you how many uh, calories you're burning at rest, your basal metabolic rate. If you don't have access to body fat, you can still use it or you can use the Mifflin equation, which doesn't need body fat in the formula. And it's going to be your height, weight, age, male, female, and it's going to be your activity factor as well. And then that's going to give you an estimation. They're usually pretty close. I've done them yeah. both, and they can be within a couple of hundred calories, like two hundred calorie difference. Mm-hmm. But they'll give you a general ballpark idea of where you should be. Now, keep in mind, everybody's different. That individuality. Right. We gotta talk there. about this. Yeah. So it's not perfect, but it's going to give you a starting point. So- and it. So, for example, if I go on and it tells me my total daily energy expenditure is 2,500 calories and I want to create a deficit. I'm going to create a deficit of anywhere between 200 and 500 calories from there. That might not be enough. I might need to go further down or I might need to go further up. And this is where the individuality comes out Is you're going to have to play yeah. around with these things.
1: And I will also say, too, that if you do the formulas and you're uh, if you use the TDEE calculator, one of the things I love about that is it gives you five ranges, basal rate, sedentary. I think it's lightly active, moderately active athlete. Like there's, and you can look at the range is anywhere from just an example, 1,350 is a basal rate all the way up to athlete status, which could be as high as 2,500. So that grade of a range is what you have to play with just for basal rate and, you know, moderate activity, let's say. And then it gives you, if you scroll down, it'll give you a cut phase, a build phase, and a maintenance phase and the breakdown of different types of carbohydrates to fat ratio and protein within each of those forms, cut, maintenance, or build. So there's so much flexibility in this type of stuff that this is why coaching is so important. People will look at this and get so lost and so confused. And they're like, I don't even know where to begin. So part of the reason why we do the zero out and have you enter in just what you're currently eating is we then take the equation calculation and match that to what you're currently eating. So Daron, if you're eating 1800 calories, but the moderate form of exercise, you know, movement for three to five times a week gives you 2500 calories, you're not going to go from 1800 to 25 in a week, because that's going to be too fast of an increase or vice versa. If you're eating 3,200 and it tells you to eat 25, you don't want to just plummet and drop. So this is where the coaching and the habit and the change, you know, takes place.
0: So what you need to do is essentially is you want to see where are you in relation to what your energy expenditure is. And the reason why you want to do that is. And we've done we've spoken about this before, where if you are way under eating below your resting metabolic rate or basal metabolic rate for a long period of time, you're going to want to do a reverse diet strategy and you're going to want to refeed yourself over a period of time. So, for example, for the ladies out there who are eating below twelve hundred calories for extended periods of time and your total daily energy expenditure, let's say, comes out to two thousand calories, you Mm want to work your way slowly back up over a period of time and then bring yourself back down to a reasonable a deficit.
1: deficit yeah and here's the other thing that 200 calories remember is a ballpark so for that same woman that's been eating under 1200 she her real baseline may be more like 1800 instead of 2000 so you don't even need you may not even have to go that high so this is where the coaching piece comes in where we get to slowly it's i always say this to clients it's make a change, test it out, make a change, test it out, make a change, see the result, make a change, see the result. You have to play so that you then it's kind of like a puzzle piece or a chess game of where you're going to go with each change that you make so that you're doing it in a way that is healthy, long term change and is going to get you obviously the results that
0: you want. Also realizing that your calculation needs to be redone over and over again. Right. Yes. If that's you start a piece, to lose weight, that, that's a piece, yeah. So if you weigh less, then your body's going to require less calories. So you want your new deficit is going to be different. That's going to be right. constantly a moving target. So right. as you lose more and more weight, you'll want to check in with that formula occasionally to yeah. reestablish what your deficit is going to look like or your surplus, right? If you're gaining muscle and you're gaining weight, the more muscle you have, the more protein you're going to need over a period of time, right? We're going to say, okay, well, if you're basing your protein on your lean body mass, then your lean body mass changes. You're going to need more protein and you're going to need more calories to sustain that muscle tissue. So it, what, regardless of what your goal is, I want to build lean mass or I want to be in a deficit, that calorie target is a moving target. It's not Mm -hmm. set. It's not like, hey, my body's always going to burn this. There are other factors, too. I mean, you could have days where you are stressed out or you didn't get adequate sleep. Right. And that's going to affect it, too. We don't really focus on that stuff. We focus on overall what your week looks like and say, hey, Mm -hmm. try to reduce your stress, try to not have your stress cup full like we've talked about in the past. Mm Uh, and try and make sure that you're getting adequate sleep and you're rested and you know, you're know you working out frequently, you're not working out too much. But you know, I guess the point that I'm trying to make with that is that that is going to be a moving target and you're, you're kind of always constantly going to be chasing after this target.
1: Yeah, and that's from the coaching aspect. That's what we do is we have these check-ins where I re-evaluate your numbers. I do all the calculations. I take that all off. We take that all off your hand so that we can do that while you get to enjoy the process of the change. But for those of you that may not be doing coaching and want to try some of this yourself, that's why we wanted to put this episode together to give you that information.
0: I would say at a minimum once a month, reevaluate. Oh, yeah. If your numbers have changed and your weight has changed and your body fat and all that Mm -hmm. stuff, reevaluate what your uh, energy expenditure is going to be. Yeah. Now you've figured out your calories. Now we get into your macronutrients and then we get into the planning your meal part. So the macronutrients, what's going to segue into your meal planning, you start with protein. I mean, protein is so vital. It's vital for hormones. It's vital for building lean body mass to increase your resting metabolic rate. It's vital for maintaining your resting metabolic rate while you're Mm -hmm. in a calorie deficit, right? You don't want to lose muscle.
1: Right. And I think the reason you know a lot of my clients ask me, why do you keep pounding on me about protein? Like that's all I hear about. I think it's because it's one of the most underutilized macronutrients. People tend to not eat enough of it. So we tend to be on this bandwagon of eat more protein, eat more protein. Not everybody needs to eat a ton of protein. But what tends to happen is when we see trends of the same thing happening with clients, that's why we tend to become maybe a little bit louder about talking about protein. I
0: think almost everybody under eats protein.
1: Well, that's what I'm
0: saying. So we're going to start with, and just a quick way to do it, is one gram per pound of your goal body weight. Mm -hmm. So Whatever your goal body weight is, let's say you are 200 pounds and your goal body weight is, I want to lose 50 pounds. You want to get 150 grams of protein a day because your goal body weight is 150 pounds.
1: Do you go through, like, so I always will have, that first week I have people journal, like when they're just entering in, I will also have them go through and either circle or write down the, things that they think they're eating that are protein. That's one of the things I'll do also in that week. So say they journal and each day their calories are like one day, 2,500, one day, 1,300, one day, 1,800. That's one thing I'll look at. And then the next thing I look at within that same week is, okay, now go in and tell me all the proteins that you see in that week, because a lot of people will tell me the peanut butter is protein. So I also get to figure out what I need to teach them about protein so I'll do that. And then we make a list.
0: So I work in the opposite way. I just work in making the, <laughs> I work in making the You're list, making the and, list. I, and I say, hey, we're going to create a list of proteins. Mm-hmm. And when peanut butter comes up as a protein. Right. Then I say, OK, does peanut butter have more protein in it or fat or fat? Right. Right. And I specifically say primary proteins, which yes. I always mention as meat, fish, poultry, dairy and eggs. I say, what is peanut butter on that list? And then I explain why they're considered primary protein. So primary proteins are primary for two reasons. One, the primary macronutrient in that food has to be protein for it to be a source of protein. So chicken, for example, is majority protein, not carbs and fat. Peanut butter, for example, is six grams in two tablespoons of protein and about 16 grams in two tablespoons of fat. So... What is it? Is it a car? Is it a protein or a fat? The answer is it's a primary source of fat. So that's where you're going to use it. I'm not saying don't eat it. I'm saying right. that's where you're going to use it. Right. Exactly. So you want to be able to establish that. Now, going into how do we prep this? Now that you've established how much protein you need, you want to strategize how you're going to eat that. And right. this is where I find often with clients sometimes they're just like yeah I'm just going through the day trying to figure out and by the yeah, end of the day much? I'm ho- fingers crossed by the end of the day hopefully yes. I hit my protein goal. Mm-hmm. If you're going into it blind, you're not going to get you're
1: never going to do it. You yeah. need an
0: action plan. So that action plan is you make a protein cheat sheet, you list all the proteins that you enjoy eating and be specific. So I like chicken. Okay, great. What type of chicken? Do breast, you like breast? Pie. Do you like thigh? Do you like drumsticks? Yeah. I like steak. What kind of what cut of meat? Do you like eye round? Do you like London broil? Do you like flank? Do you like skirt steak? T-bone, right? The the list is endless. Then fish. Okay. well, what type of fish? Do you like salmon, tuna? You create that list and now you've got a complete list. Eggs, egg whites, uh, a protein powder, right? All of the proteins that you would eat and then you want to quantify that. Right. Now, for this, I use Calorie King and I'll quantify it for for my clients. Or I have pre made lists that are already made based on certain calorie groups that I may put people in, where I'll say, okay,
1: you have 150 grams per day. You have
0: 150 grams. First thing you need to do is figure out how many meals are you comfortable eating in a day. And that number can be anywhere from three to five. Mm -hmm. I don't recommend less than three. And I mean, can five. you eat more than five? Yeah, I don't know if it's going to be manageable. Depends what your lifestyle is like. Right. Most people aren't going to do that. Most people are I find are good in the three to four range. Yeah, I agree. And then every once in a while, I get a client that's like, I want five. I get hungry like I just want to have that extra. meal." Yeah. So you want to take that 150 grams of protein. You want to divide it? it by let's call it four. And then you want to figure out, OK, well, if I need 150 grams of protein a day and I'm going to eat four times in that day, then you need 38 grams of protein per meal. So now that cheat sheet that you made, you're going to next to each food item. You're going to figure out how many ounces of that food cooked. Keep in mind, it's got to be cooked. Mm-hmm. How many ounces of that food cooked is going to yield 38 grams of protein? Right. Then you go down the list now. You can use generally a rule of thumb is like seven or eight grams per ounce. Yep. for lean meats, mm-hmm. and then the fattier ones are going to be a little bit a little more higher. ounce, a little a little bit more ounces. Mm-hmm. If you want to really get specific, CalorieKing.com or download the app Calorie King, and then you type in the food. And it's going to tell you and then you just play with the ounces until you get to 38. And then you write that down on that paper. You keep it on your fridge or you keep it somewhere where you can reference it so that when you go grocery shopping, you say, "Okay, I'm going to buy ground turkey today or I'm going to buy ground beef today or steak or fish or whatever it is. And you know how much you need to portion out for your meals.
1: That's the planning and the action that I think people tend to skip. They just eyeball it or they think it's roughly around six ounces, which they you know, we always get wrong if you're just doing it that way.
0: That's where we get into the importance of having a food scale. Mm -hmm. Planning this stuff out is I'm not going to carry a food scale with me everywhere I go. But when I'm home, when I'm home, and especially for those of you who have never weighed or measured Mm -hmm. any of your foods, you can think whatever you want, but you're wrong. I'm going to just say that straight up because If you've never weighed food on a scale, you have no idea what it looks. You don't know what four ounces looks like. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I had four ounces. How the fuck do you know you had four ounces? (laughs) I mean, people are
1: pretty confident too. Uh, Nicole. I absolutely I at least eat five ounces, And I'm like, there's absolutely no way based on some of the pictures you sent me of your food that you have. And this is part of the learning experience. We do this so we can teach you or you teach yourself and you learn what this looks like, feels like, and how to put this together. And then you can, you know, as you get better at it, you can kind of let off, but a food scale is, it makes it just so much more accurate that it takes the guesswork out. And then the the other piece of that is those action steps help you get the results faster. So why dick around and not pay attention to what you actually need to eat. If you just get right to it, you're going to get there faster.
0: Now I'll say a common thing. And then after we finish out with protein, we'll go on to carbs and fat, which essentially you're going to do the same thing pretty much. But yeah. Common thing I get is what about when I eat out? Yeah. Okay. Well, you've been weighing foods at home. So when you eat out, you'll be able to look at it and you'll be able to then Mm -hmm. eye it out because you no longer have that portion distortion and you have a perception, but it does say like
1: look. a menu will tell you too. hold on. A menu will tell you like a six ounce steak, an eight ounce steak. Like you can. I, you know what, idea. though?
0: I I've been to places where not sure is
1: 100 percent accurate. No,
0: but I'll. I, it's also is six ounces, like before they cook it typically at a restaurant. True. That's what I'm I find. Saying. So but you know what it looks like. Yeah. The, the perception just needs to be there so that when you go out, you can make the proper decisions. And I'm not saying you can never eat out, but the more successful you are and the more home, um The more you rely on that skill at home, the better off you'll be even when you're eating out.
1: Exactly. You earn the easy, right? So when you eat out, if it isn't 100 percent accurate, it's not going to throw off everything that you're doing.
0: Now, creating the rest of your meal plan, we're talking about carbs and fat. So carbs, you're going to do the same thing. Okay, what are your sources of carbohydrate? So (laughs) I'm going to use an example here. So we've got, let's say, a, a 2000 calorie diet here. And we're going to do 150 pounds is, we said, the person's goal weight. So you're going to want to take 150 grams of protein. You're going to have to figure out what percentage of your 2000 calorie diet that is. So you're going to multiply that by four. So 150 times four gives you 600 total calories. Now you've got 1100 calories to split however you want, really, between carbs and fat. Now, Mm -hmm. I like to split everything 40, 30, 30. So a 2000 calorie diet would look like 200 grams of carbs, 150 grams of protein and 66 grams of fat per day. Mm -hmm. And so that 200 grams of carbs, I'm going to say, okay, that same person that's doing four meals a day, you're going to have 50 grams of carbs four times a day and you're going to break up your 66 grams of fat and you're going to divide that by four. Cause that's four meals a day and you're going to have so 20, it's like 16 and a half, right? So you're like 16, okay. 16, 17 doesn't have to be exact. Mm-hmm. And you're going to do the same thing for carbs and fat. You're going to create a cheat sheet. You're going to look up, okay, well, how much do I need? I know off the top of my head that a cup of rice is about 45 grams of carbs. A cup mm-hmm. of quinoa is pretty much close to the same. A cup of beans is pretty much the same. So a lot of things kind of overlap there, 45 to 50 you just, if I'm ballpark, it's never going to be perfect. If I do a cup Mm -hmm. and it's 45 grams, I'm not going to be chasing an extra five grams of carbs. I'll (laughs) get it somewhere else because in my fat sources, like a handful of almonds or an ounce of almonds is going to have some carbohydrates. So that's going to be made up elsewhere anyway. And then I do the same thing for the fat sources, which are going to be avocados, nuts, seeds, uh, any type of oil, coconut oil, olive oil, uh, avocado oil, whatever you choose to cook with, you want to account for that as well. And that's basically how you're building out your meal plan. And then literally all you have to do is pick off of a list and say, OK, well, I'm going to choose a protein, choose a carb, choose a fat, and that's how I'm going to put my meals. Together. Right. Now, it's not going to be perfect. Sometimes you might have a snack in the middle of the day. That's OK. As long as you're accounting for the day, the day is more important than the meal by meal. But Mm -hmm. the meal by meal is also kind of a close second to me. And the macros meal by meal are are kind of second to your total calories and your total macros for the day. The next thing I want to talk about is now that you are building your meals, what happens when you don't cook and what happens when Mm -hmm. you don't potentially plan, right? So... You always want to plan ahead. And in a lot of cases, I'll tell my clients like plan ahead, maybe log in your food journal for the day before, make sure the numbers add up, make sure everything makes sense for the next day. Your meals are already prepped. All you have to do is execute for the next day. But in cases where let's say you get jammed up with work or let's say Mm -hmm. just something happens, you need a plan B and I'll give you examples of plan B's because it's easy. And I think sometimes we overcomplicate it when you think I need to hit my macros and then I I didn't prep any meals. So I need to grab something on the go. What I find oftentimes is people will just I'm going to grab a cheeseburger or a slice of pizza and that's your go to instead of staying on track. And I see how it's very easy to fall back into that habit. But for example, I I haven't cooked all week this week. I haven't cooked a single meal, Mm -hmm. but I made sure to get steamed chicken and broccoli from the Chinese spot with extra chicken. And I weighed the chicken mm-hmm. from it. I got brown rice on the side. I created a meal out of that. And I said, hey, give me the sauce on the side, knowing that the sauce has some carbs in it. I'm going to do a couple of tablespoons on the food, on the chicken and the, the broccoli. And I'm going to lower the amount of rice because of the sugar in the sauce uh, just to allow myself a little bit of flavor. Mm-hmm. And it may not be 100 percent perfect, but I'm still on track. Or yep. you go to the deli and you pick up some pre-grilled chicken or some mm-hmm. pre-made, I don't know, meatballs. Or Nicole, what are some other examples of (laughs) things that you can I mean, listen, you can balance a meal at five guys, right? I've had time. Yeah, I can do
1: it anywhere to be I've honest had, with you, yep, absolutely I, anywhere.
0: I've had times where I'm like, I'm just going to get the burger. I'm not going to get the bun. I'm going to get some veggies and I'm going to have them just wrap it up in lettuce.
1: That's my whole thing. I, I'm i a huge. I have did a couple of Instagram posts about this. I'll buy some pre-made chicken. I'll buy a rotisserie chicken for the week if I know, like even if I don't feel like cooking, sometimes it's not even that I didn't plan to cook. I really just am done. I've been cooking. I've been on track. I've been eating and hitting my meals. And I just want a week of like not thinking about it to like take my mind off it. I get a rotisserie chicken, I'll get a couple of cans of tuna, I'll get um, shrimp that's super easy to just thaw out. And I'll just pick different sources of protein that like you said, off my cheat sheet, I'll know how much I have to have in terms of ounces. And I'll just create different meals that are a little bit easier. When you were mentioning eating out, one of my biggest pet peeves with clients is, well, what do I do when I eat out? I'm like, you're still picking this the same quality of food. If you're picking a protein, a vegetable and rice, sweet potato, a starch of some sort, You still can create a a healthy plate, I guess, and make it a good choice. You can have a side salad, put the dressing on the side, add chicken to the salad, do lettuce wraps instead of a bun, whatever it is that you're trying to fit into your macronutrients that work for you. But I'm all about variety too. So some people really enjoy eating, not necessarily the same things every day, but picking off that favorite list only. What I try and do with my clients is we try and add to that list as they try different foods and they get a little bit more comfortable out of their comfort zone and build a better relationship with food so that they have so many options because I feel like that's what happens too when people have less options, they tend to then go for pizza because if they don't have the ground turkey, or they don't have the egg whites or they don't have the chicken, the three main things on that list that are their protein sources, they're like, ah, screw it. I'm just going to eat pizza tonight. You have to have a lot of options so that anytime you go to the grocery store, if they're out of chicken and you pick something else, you're confident in how to build a meal around something else.
0: Yeah. And I think the other thing I see is like, oh, well, I just got a wrap from this quote unquote healthy place
1: yeah
0: right and I'm like oh well it's healthy and I'm like why who determined it as a yeah. place that you know fit your program like yeah only you determine that yeah it's like oh well I got a wrap and it had a bunch of dressing in it and it had you know whatnot and or I had a burrito right it was mm-hmm. something that I recently <laughs> saw and it was like okay well you know what how many carbs were in that you had beans you had rice you had the wrap you had did, did that is it balanced did, does that really fit what you yeah what you want? Now, I'm not going to say, listen, maybe that could be something that was better than what you would have gone to before. And that's fine. Exactly. But if you really want to be on track and stay on track, like Nicole, like you were saying, you need to have those options and you need to create those things and have those kind of go to's. Like I remember yeah. I when I was competing and I didn't want to prep food because I prepped so much. I would go to Uncle Giuseppe's Deli and they had this <laughs> pre-made grilled chicken and they would have. Yeah, it was like uh, lemon squeezed on it. And it was good, and I would Pretty. I would weigh, I would weigh it out. Actually, one time I got <laughs> angry at them because I weighed it out, <laughs> and I realized that they were weighing the Tupperware as chicken, and they weren't tearing uh, the Tupperware off. And I was yeah, yeah. I, I was like, I'm coming home, and I'm weighing this, and you guys are ripping me off here. So <laughs> I was disappointed in you that. Give me my chicken. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, give me my chicken. Come on. So, uh, I was disappointed in that, but. You know, you have to have some go tos that are Mm -hmm. like local spots. I know that when I am working in the gym, training clients and I'm back to back to back to back. And if Mm -hmm. I didn't bring food with me, it's like for a lot of people, that's the end of the world. But it's like it's like you have options, options. You just have to figure out what those options are Mm -hmm. and you have to go to those.
1: Right. And then even and so what happens in that circumstance? Like, so say you get say you are working throughout the day, anyone. And I don't know, like a couple of times, I'll forget my lunch. So say you forget your lunch, and you end up going to the cafeteria at work, and you make a different choice. You enter that into MyFitnessPal, and you take a look at your day. And people do they have like a meltdown. Oh my god, I messed everything up. You don't have to freak out you may have to change and alter the rest of your day as you go through because of the choice that you made for lunch may not have been totally as optimal as what you would like, but just you got to like make the commitment to whatever you chose and then just alter around it. It's I think when people become too rigid about it, that's when they start to throw everything out. Like I'll just eat pizza and I don't even care because they give up that they can fit that into their calories and macros. And then they end up just giving up and and throwing everything away as opposed to just being like, all right, I'm going to do the best I can with what I have remainder for today and tomorrow I'll try and do a little bit better. And that's where I always say this is a practice and a learning experience. You need to make those mistakes so that next time you do it, you know how to handle it and you don't freak out as much. And you're like, all right, I had a salad at work and I had a little less chicken. So tonight when I go home, I'm going to have a little bit more protein At the other end of my meal, you know, when you were talking about having that 30 grams of protein at every meal or 50 grams of protein at every meal, if if that's a little hard to get like right at the beginning, or if you have a week where it's a little off, don't freak out, just do the best you can get as close to that as you can, you know, work it into your day. And then just keep on moving.
0: There are instances, too, where it's like, OK, so 40, 30, 30 is what ideally I want my meals to be. But I'll have something like I'll only have access to like whole eggs, for example, which I yeah. know are going to be higher in fat than mm-hmm. is ideal to fit what I'm looking for. Mm-hmm. So I'll just cut down on the carbs a little bit. And mm-hmm. for example, the other day I did I had whole legs. I think it was like five whole eggs, And I'm like, all right, cool. Like I hit almost what I wanted, oh, and I'm like, hey, I'm going to have some strawberries because they're low in carbs. Love them. And then calorie wise, I still hit what I needed to. And it wasn't yeah. perfect, but I'm still trending towards my goal, doing exactly. it in that way and being more flexible. Yeah. Yeah. The other thing I want to talk about is once you've established this baseline and you're eating in your deficit or you're eating in your surplus or whatever it is, You want to start to kind of assess certain aspects of what's going on. Your hunger, your energy, your cravings. This is what's going to lead you to looking to see if you're going to need to make any changes, Mm -hmm. um, which would be, okay, well, do I need to play with my calories? Do I need to play with my macronutrient distribution? What's more ideal? What's going to be more satiating for me? What's going to provide me with more energy based on the types of workouts that I'm doing. Uh, maybe I want to structure a little bit more carbohydrates or different nutrients around my workouts. Once Mm -hmm. I've hit a certain point, because I'm realizing like, Hey, I'm kind of, I'm dying out towards the end of my workout and I feel like I should be able to continue to push, but I'm in this deficit. So it's kind of hindering my progress with my strength and I'm getting a little bit weaker. Okay. Well, maybe you want to structure some of your carbs and take a little bit from some of your other meals and add that into your pre-workout strategy. And Mm -hmm. that would help you to get through your workout and push through a little harder. Nicole, anything else we want to add on, uh, building your meal plan and staying on track and, your macros and calories?
1: Consistency would be the last thing that I would kind of add to this. Like, so once you figure everything out, um, you have your calories, you have your macronutrient breakdown, you have your meals per day, you have the amount of grams of each of your macronutrients per day. Then the last piece to this is your workouts. One, I'll add that into, and then the consistency of your workouts and this meal plan. This is your lifestyle. This is now what you need to commit to for at least, I always say three to six months is like my minimum and you have to trial and error. Try it, check in, try it, check in, try it, check in. If you do this for two weeks and then you revert back to eating the things you were eating prior and you think it's not working, it's not because of of the plan, it's because of the execution. So you have to consistently stick to this and that's where we talk about prioritizing the goal, And, you know, all the action steps, going to the grocery store, making the list, cooking the food, like you have to set and align that all up so that when you shoot, you hit the target and you create the changes that you want. So you do need a little bit of flexibility. We always like to give that because we know that creates long term sustainability. But you also at the same time, you have to be able to commit to it too. (laughs) consistency would be my last.
0: There's a delicate balance between allowing yourself flexibility and just not doing doing
1: anything. Yeah,
0: exactly. Right, so yeah, you gotta be real real with yourself and have that real uh, thought process or conversation with yourself. That's all we've got. If you enjoyed this episode, click subscribe, give us five stars, write a review, share this with a friend, and you'll hear us next week.